Hello, hello, everyone. Thank you for being here. You are listening to Silver on the Sage podcast, and I'm Caitlin, your host. Today, we are continuing our February theme of reasons we love Philmont and New Mexico. Diana Loomis joins the show to discuss her adoration for the New Mexico landscape and its creator. Diana's father was a career scouter, and so she first experienced Philmont at the young age of four. Since then, she has had a deep connection to New Mexico. Diana was among the first female seasonal staffers to work at Philmont in the 1970s. She was an administrative assistant and a PTC leader. She returned in 1990 as the CHQ Dining Hall Manager, and again in 2022 as the first-ever female Protestant chaplain. She's excited to announce that she'll be in that same role again this coming summer, 2023. To this day, for Diana and for many of us, God lives in the Sangre de Cristo Mountains, and going high into those mountains equates to total wellness of body, spirit, and mind, the meditation that comes from the hike, the self-confidence in achieving the goal, and the joy of helping others. Thanks for being here with me. Hope you all have a beautiful Tuesday. Let's hike on. I'm here this evening with Diana Loomis, and so thrilled to have you on the show. You have such a rich history with your family in relation to Philmont, as well as several uh, firsts (laughs) as a a female at Philmont, which we'll get into. So um, thank you for being here. And we talked briefly off air that you wanted to kick it off with your first memory of Philmont. So feel free to give a brief introduction if you'd like, or just take it away with that memory. Well, um, I'm Diana Loomis, and I am a scouting brat, and my dad was the council executive for what was then Kit Carson Council, what is now the Great Southwest Council that Philmont is in. And between my two older brothers and I, we have a total of more than 20 summers together at Philmont. Um, Steve, who was a sector director in 1973 and some other years, is the one who has the most years. I think he has some like 12 summers on on staff. So um, he would be a great one for you to interview at some point if you yeah. want to hear, hear good stories about the flood of 66 and all kinds of good stories about, about Philmont. He's got them. So... Um, my first memory of Philmont was from the summer of 1960. I am proud to say it was when I was five years old, <laughs> actually four when I first got there because uh, my birthday was August 28th. And in those days, you know, the season went longer. And so my dad was teaching a session at um, the training center And Friday was my birthday. And in those days, they had a check wagon barbecue, Buffalo barbecue, um, every Friday night uh, for PTC. And it was my birthday, okay? And they had a cake for me and all this kind of stuff. And I thought they threw this wonderful party from just for me. (laughs) And my mom's like, no, honey, they do this every Friday night. (laughs) But but from that point on, you know, um, we were, my dad was a council exec in Pensacola, Florida, at the Gulf Coast Council at that point. But from that point on, Philmont was this magical place. And then at 19, in 1963, we moved um, to Albuquerque and dad became the council exec at what's now the Great Southwest Council. So in those days, um, scout executives had more privileges at Philmont. <laughs> they don't have any privileges now, but <laughs> so, uh, you know, my brothers would be on staff. And so I, I'm nine years y- younger than my brother, Steve, and five years younger than my brother, Phil, who was on staff for three summers. And 
So we would come and Joe Davis would give my dad a four wheel drive vehicle and we'd drive out to like, you know, when I was in elementary school, I was all the way out to Apache Springs and, you know, where my brother was on staff, Bill was on staff one summer and and then it, during the winter time, we'd get opportunities to do things like stay in the master, in the family um, area of the villa. Um, so my parents got to sleep in Wade Phillips' bedroom, and I was down the hall, you know, and that was, they don't do in those kinds of things anymore at all. Yeah, yeah. So there was just, you know, and Joe Davis, who is legendary from for with those of us who are from that time period, just was someone that I admired from the moment that I met him and always loved being around him and no matter what. Uh, one of my best Joe Davis, Davis stories was the summer of 1972, which is the first summer for Kathy Leach and Nancy Wells to be Rangers. Um, I was, my brother was on staff and my mom and dad and I were visiting and we were getting ready to move. By this point, my dad was on a, an area director um, for in the South Central region of the Boy Scouts. And we were getting ready to move from Dallas, Texas to Shreveport, Louisiana, right before my senior year in high school. I was 16 years old. Okay. So Joe Davis, I, I, I said, Joe, I want Mr. Davis, probably I said, I want you to know Next summer, I'm going to apply to be on staff here at Philmont. And he goes, well, why wait to next summer? You know, I'll hire you right now. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. I can't imagine what it would have been like to be the only female summer staff. You know, I mean, because, you know, in CHQ, um, when you're 16, you know, that would have been you know, a little bit with only two other females on st on summer staff. <laughs> that would have been, you know, I kind of said, well, we're in the process of moving, I, I, but I will apply next summer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. And so th <laughs> that was your first summer in 1973 on staff and you were the CHQ Public Relations Administration Assistant. I was going to say really quick to rewind a little bit. It's so incredible that, you know, Philmont has been in your life for so long since you were turning five years old. Do you remember wishing you could, you know, interact more or feeling left out since at that time, you know, uh, women weren't a part of scouting? In my high school time period is when um, exploring went co-ed. And once exploring was co-ed, Philmont didn't have much of a leg to stand on with the National Council in terms of not hiring women. Now, remember, women were hired at PTC and program positions during all during this time period because there was program for kids that happened there um, long before the Mountain Women program started and women started going into the, the Explorer program started and women were going into the back country. I always wanted to be on staff, you know, because like I said, I got the magic of Philmont as a child. And to me, even today, God lives in the Sangre de Cristo Mountains. You know, I mean, in my heart of hearts, that's what I believe. So, you know, Philmont is one of the places where I feel closest to God. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to be, once I graduated with a journalism degree and felt the call to ministry and became a United Methodist pastor, then I was on sabbatical in 1990 and I applied to be the first female chaplain. And they weren't, they told me they weren't ready for a female chaplain, even though I had been ordained in 1979, you know, and women had been serving in the United Methodist Church since 1958. And um, so, you know, that uh, that summer I did work. I was uh, the director of the CHQ dining hall. And it was kind of, I, they, they kept telling me I was the highest paid summer staff member. And my job was to keep those 16, 17 year old food service employees happy because Marriott was the um, provider of, you know, the food and they did a lousy job. 
So one of the things I'm proudest of is getting Marriott fired at the end of the summer <laughs> because, you know, they were doing things like the menu said two hot dogs is a serving, you know, that the diet dietitian set up and, and they were only allowing us to serve one hot dog. Um, so I just, I said to the, to the powers that be at the end of the summer, Hey, you do, you guys do a better job of food service than a corporation that's trying to make money. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You know, it's hard enough. Come on. You guys need to take this back. Yeah. Which so I don't think they've ever had a caterer again, you know, since that time period, they learned, I think they learned their lesson, but. So, wow. But I, yeah. I was really proud because we, out of the 30 some odd um, staff members that I supervised, we lost one of them. They had to be fired for an infraction. Um, and the whole Marriott staff had quit over the summer. They lost every single one as a director. Oh so, I, so so we, we accomplished what the administration wanted us to accomplish that summer. <laughs> yeah. And more, I would say. Wow. Yeah. What? <laughs> What an interesting yeah. turn of events. I didn't know any of that. I didn't know they catered it out back then or or tried. Maybe that was not the only year. I don't know. But um, it was at least two years. This The summer before, they lost none of the summer. Summer of 72, none of the food service staff returned. <laughs> well, and so I, one, of the things I had to, one of the things I had to do was Marriott was saying, well, these some of these kids are 16 and 17 and they can't, they can't work 10, 12 hour shifts. And I said, but you're not their employer. Vermont is. And these kids aren't here to work in food service. They're here to be out in the back country. And so, yeah, they will work 12 hour shifts so that they can get their three days off in a row and get into the back country. That's a really important tradition for those who work in CHQ. Let's hop back then to 73, your first summer on staff in CHQ, that public relations admin assistant. And that was the first female summer to have staff at CHQ. So were there other were there other women your age in the office with you? No. No, the only the other women were the women rangers. There was at the beginning of the summer, Betsy Roof who was married to John Ruth, who was the, the camp director at Clear Creek, um, was in the photo lab, okay? Um, but she really missed John. They were newlyweds. And so she went to Joe Davis, and, or I went to talk, I, don't, I, I assume she talked to Joe Davis. I'm not sure who she talked to at that point. And um, became a ranger. And then, see, I was the only, there were, and there could be 12 of us women, okay? There were actually, I think, max of 11 um, that summer, um, including me and Betsy Roof. So Betsy became one of the first rangers then into the summer. And then one day I I read, ran into her and I, I got to know all of the women rangers that summer well, because I was the only one that was in <laughs> camping headquarters all the time. And... Um, I ran into her and she was upset and um, she was saying how much she missed her husband. And I said, go, go talk to Joe, Joe Davis. You guys are married. Why? He's at an interpretive camp. Why can't you go be a mountain woman? And she did. And so that's how, you know, the first woman was on. So, so, so Betsy has that, you know, three, three first, one of the first two CHQ staff, one of the first 10 rangers, the first female program staff in the backcountry. Yeah, triple crown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was kind of interesting, though. I realized there probably were times that in those 12 tents, I was the only one in the tent. You know, I mean, I, I might have been the only one in CHQ. And, and I look back at that now and think, oh, that's a little scary. <laughs> Then I'm just like, oh, this is just so fun. <laughs> Do you have any specific memories of that summer? Um, did you get into the backcountry? Did, did you get to hike on days off? Um, what was the work like that you were doing? Were you interacting with crews and checking crews in, or were you just kind of doing admin behind the scenes stuff? No, I was yes, I was interacting with crews, doing press releases that got sent home to their hometown newspapers, and in those days. 
just about everybody, every hometown newspaper was going to print a press release about a, a crew of kids, boys, some, a few girls, <laughs> Explore Post from Philmont. So, you know, that all had to be done by typewriter. And um, I think I might have had a selectric that could do parts of it by, but that's, that's the primary thing. So I interacted with a lot of rangers and a lot of crews. And then I got out and like um, when they had the first Kit Carson women crew that summer, which is now the Rayado women program, which we just had that great fundraiser for to uh, finish endowing the scholarships for, I got to write a story um, that went out to their all their hometown newsletters, newspapers. And in fact, Kathy Leach was researching that and found that article and sent it out to a bunch of us. And then I, I looked at it and said, hey, that's my line on that story. <laughs> so cool. So that was kind of cool. And I read it and was like, hey, that's a pretty good story. <laughs> yeah. Now I want to read it. That's really cool. <laughs> that was probably a pretty fulfilling job. That's pretty cool to be able to talk to crews and share their story with their hometowns and rangers, like you said. Did you get to hike in the backcountry or was that closed to women at the I, time? I, well, I also sometimes went out for stories and that kind of thing. So there were some other stories that I worked on. Um, but then on my days out off, you know, Kathy Leach was my tent mate. And um, I tagged along with her on some cruise for like three days. We had some great times. I remember specifically a time when um, she said, Diana, get some pots and pans and start pounding them. And I'm saying, okay. The crew had gone off to get the pick up the Dutch oven and bring it back for Ranger Peach Cobbler. And so she was cooking the dinner that night. And you could hear the banging coming. This was in Miranda, upper Mar lower Miranda. And you could hear the banging of pots and pans. And she's going, there's a bear coming. There's a bear coming. And so I'm banging pants, you know, and the bear comes into the campfire and and she starts pitching logs <laughs> at that bear. I mean, talk, I, you know, this 17-year-old thought that 22-year-old woman was something else. Let me tell you. And uh, she started pitching logs. And I think she saved our, our dinner. And I think he moved on. I remember earlier this year saying, hey, Kathy, do you remember that story? And she goes, yeah, I was mad because I needed to go to the bathroom. And <laughs> and he was keeping me from it. And I, and I was also hungry. <laughs> I was like, Kathy Leach, she didn't have time for that bear. <laughs> <laughs> no, she didn't. I also went on treks uh, with Carol, Carol Munch, too, and the same way. And uh, I'm not sure where we were. But it was Ranger Peach Cobbler night with her crew, and I was in her tent with her, and she put water in the Dutch oven, and um, it was, we were, our, our tent was fairly close to the fire circle, because we had fires in those days, and when we went to bed, she looked at her watch, and she said, okay, it's nine something, she goes, Two o'clock in the morning, the bear will be through here. There's a bear that comes through here every, you know. And I said, okay, okay, what do we do? Well, just ignore him. <laughs> you know, so we went to sleep and I hear this, you know. <laughs> I said, Carol, Carol, the bear's here. She rolled over, turned on her flashlight, because in those days we didn't have light up watches, okay? Turned on her flashlight, looked at her watch and said it was two o'clock in the morning, rolled over and went back to sleep. No big deal, you know, for either Kathy or Carol. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Can I tell you my third thing? Okay, so <clears throat> Hannah Wilson was also one of the Rangers, women Rangers that summer. And she's from South Carolina you know, and has the best sense of humor of just about anybody I've ever known in my life. And so there was an all-Black female crew that came from New York City. And so they assigned Hannah to her. And um, Hannah went out and she taught them. And, you know, she got back and, and I said, how did it go? And she's, she's like, I'm kind of worried about them. They're so scared. You know, and I said, well, 
hey, negotiating the streets of New York City is really different than negotiating the mountains of New Mexico. The next thing I know, she came to the tents and she said, Diana, my crew found their way down to the highway in Cimarron Canyon and hitchhiked back into CHQ saying they weren't going back out unless I went with them. And so she went back well with them the rest of her trip. And, uh, you know, she was, uh, she was an, inc- she is an incredible, all three of those people are incredible women that have been incredible role models for me my whole life. Thank you for those stories. I love interjecting stories. So I'm all for that. So let's hop to 1974 where you hopped over to Philmont Training Center as the assistant muchacha director. And then in 75, you were the the muchacha director. And so for people who don't know, let us tell us a little bit about what that is and what that role was. That was for running program for 11, 12 and 13 year old girls. And I had applied to be a ranger um, the summer of 74, but they were requiring women to be 21. And even though I finished a year in college, I was still only 18 because my birthday wasn't until the end of August. So I ended up not able to take scout crews out or explorer post crews out who have all kinds of backpacking training and preparation for hiking on Philmont. But I could work with the Muchacha program and take 11, 12, and 13-year-old girls into the backcountry on day hikes. (laughs) Incredibly ironic. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in the summer of 75, and, and, and by the way, in the summer of 74, they didn't allow any, there were no female summer staff at CHQ other than Rangers. You know, there were some of the, you know, full-time female employees, that that kind of secretaries and administrators and those kinds of things. But summer of 75, when I was muchacha director, the last session of the summer, they came to me and said, there were two programs for 14, 15, 16, 17 year old girls. One was the mountain women program where they went out led by female rangers on five day treks. The second was the senorita program. And those were girls who stayed and did arts and crafts and museum tours and things like that, who didn't wanna go out on the trail at PTC. Okay. And they were called the senoritas. Okay. So they came to me and they said, um, we want to try something. You've been taking muchachas into the back country all summer long. We want to do a senorita overnight. Somebody else will do muchachas that week, but we want you to lead the senorita program that week. So we went to Clark's Fork and uh, overnight they didn't have us, they hauled in our bedrolls and stuff. And I, I don't remember a whole lot about it, but I also, you know, in the last year, I've learned a lot more about the summer of the quarantine and all those different kinds of things. And I wonder now if that was maybe, well, maybe we should just have some overnights with the Senorita program and do away with the Mountain Woman program. You know, who knows? They did all kinds of crazy things in those days in terms of what women could and couldn't do and how that changed, you know, from season to season. Yeah. Interesting. So interesting. After 74 and 75, you took a 15-year break uh, until you came back in 1990, which we talked about. You were in the CHQ dining hall manager. Um, So anything else from from your seasonal time in the 70s and and kind of like how you you know what you did next until you returned in 1990 74 and 75 were i really wanted to be a ranger you know and that and just because of my age and their requirements and everything i never got to do that and so you know my heart was always in the back country <laughs> Um, which was one of the things that was really exciting about being able to be um, a chaplain um, the summer of 2022. You know, I mean, it was Philmont. I enjoyed it. You know, I was glad to be there, but I really wanted to be hanging with my female ranger friends and, 
you know, camp director friends and all those kinds of people over at CHQ. And, you know, there's just, there really, even yet today, there is a world of difference between camping and what happens there and PTC and what happens there. You returned in 2022 as the first female Protestant chaplain, and I believe alongside the first female Jewish chaplain that summer. Is that right? There were two firsts? The first female Jewish chaplain, Lori, Cantor Lori, had done two other summers, but they'd never had a Protestant. She was the only woman that had been a chaplain before me. So I was the first Protestant. Um, As you said earlier, in 1990, you had applied to be a Protestant chaplain. And like you said, they weren't ready to hire you in that role. Um, 32 years later, they were ready. So um, what was that kind of process like? I mean, it's just so interesting. I love how you've been at Philmont in so many decades of of your life. And so here you are just last summer returning on seasonal staff. So talk a little bit about just what that was like for you to return. You know, I'm really, really grateful to Steve Nelson for being excited about um, me being able to come on staff again. Because I moved back to New Mexico in 2011 and worked in nonprofit development for a United Methodist Community Center in Española, I had a lot of contacts in government and was able to introduce uh, Roger Hoyt and Steve Nelson to the individual who was then their state representative, who was very helpful in the fire this last summer and in, in a lot of different ways over the last couple of years at Philmont. So there were a lot of governmental and nonprofit kind of connections that I shared, you know, with the two of them. So they got to know I was on, I was on Philmont a number of times over the the fall and winter before I was hired um, last summer. So they got to know me and I think felt, you know, comfort in in hiring me because I do have a real long storied <laughs> history at Belmont, so to speak. And and to be honest with you, um, both my brothers are gay and um, not that they were out when they worked at Philmont, they weren't. And um, there needed to be some changes in scouting from my perspective to be open to, to all people. And with those changes that had happened, there was, and with the knowing that this last summer was going to be the celebration of the 50th anniversary of Women Rangers. I just wanted to be a part of that because the only cohort I have for my first summer is those Women Rangers. So it was fun. You know, uh, the Protestant chaplains are blessed because there is a a large endowment that buys, so they get the newest uh, Suburbans. Ooh, (laughs) And, uh, and, uh, I remember at one point, you know, the hardest part about it was the fact that we had to do so much driving to move crews around because of COVID. I mean, we had we had more issues with COVID in the summer of 2022 than the summer of 2021 because Omicron was so much more contagious. Yeah. You know, we would caravan different places you know, to pick a crew up or to return a crew or all these different things. Um, and so, you know, there'd be times where you would have yourself and eight other people and all their packs in the vehicle <laughs> and uh, going over those roads. And it was fun to, to to get to some camps that I've never been to before and um, to get to do some hiking in those camps and to get into the backcountry and lead worship. And, you know, I, I had a story. I had a kid. I think it's it's been interesting the way that COVID has affected our, our teens. Because, for instance, I have asthma. And so I've learned how to cope with my asthma in relation to my backcountry experiences. But, you know, when you haven't been at that elevation and you have asthma and you're around things that you've never been around that are causing asthma problems, 
you know, you, you don't quite know what to do. And so there was a kid that, um, a camper that I picked up and took back to the health lodge. And we talked all the way back and he had asthma and he was having a really hard time breathing. I said, so what does your doctor say about how often you can use your inhalers? And he didn't know that he could use his inhalers every half hour. He didn't know that there might be some preventative inhalers that he could take. And so I dropped him off at the health lodge, kind of armed with the right questions to ask from a person who's lived, you know, 40 years with asthma and still hikes in the backcountry. So then my time, my tenure at Philmont, a lot of not only the chaplain coordinator stays all summer long. So the chaplains come in and out in three, three week, four week, six week stints. And um, so my stint was over. I went home to Santa Fe, came back to Philmont for the reunion and was doing a hike with a bunch of those Air Force Academy Rangers was doing the hardest one. And we were just, you know, and it was, it was up to window rock and that trail is really rocky. Well, I just had knee replacement surgery in March and I caught my foot on a rock and rolled down the hill, down the ridge was stopped by a juniper tree and, you know, all of these, the, the ranger that was with us, the PTC ranger, and, and, and all of these former rangers are like, okay, you know, are you, you know, and I ended up with a sprained ankle and hiked back down with one of the other people in the, in the group to the hunting lodge. And they, you know, put me on the next available transport, but I was sitting there just elevating my foot, which was sprained and kind of recovering. I ba basically sprained the whole left side of my body. And if that tree hadn't been there, I would have gone down another 20 or 30 feet. So, <laughs> so I'm glad the tree I was, was there. I was really lucky that tree was there. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, this kid comes up to me, and goes, Reverend Diana. And I said, yeah. And he goes, I want to tell you that you, remind you that you took me back um, to the health lodge um, to get my asthma checked out and you really encouraged me. And you know what? You changed me. You know, he said, he said, um, I realized Philmont was something I'd worked hard for and I wanted to complete my truck and that gave me you know, the help I needed to be able to breathe. And I have had the most wonderful time. And, you know, we're going to get our, we all made it patch. And tomorrow we hike in. And I just sat there like, wow, what a chance to make a difference, you know? And uh, it was, it was great being able to um, traverse the back country in lots of different ways. And, and one of the things that I find really interesting, though, you know, they don't put the, except for the million dollar highway, and I think the beaver slides, they don't put the names of the roads on the maps. And I know why, because they don't want the crews hiking the roads. <laughs> but when you get out there, so at one point I was out there with a suburban full of rangers that I had picked up. And none of them could figure out where we were because there were so many. I used Gaia all, all uh, summer long because I liked it because it would show me where I was and I would know, I would know more quickly when I turned onto an old road that was, you know, because anyway, it yeah. was it was it was an interesting experience. <laughs> I uh, I can resonate with that. When I was a backcountry manager in 2013, I remember being terrified of getting lost. And I did get lost a few times. And I always, you know, got found or found myself. Uh, but it would have been nice to have an app like that at the time to just, like, show you. Like, here you are. Like, this is, yeah, you, know, you are here. So I think anyone who drives in the backcountry can relate to that. It is a, it's kind of a maze back there. I'd love to know how that summer was for the staff. Did you have any specific interactions with staff members, you know, COVID, the COVID situation, and just kind of 
after being a seasonal staff member yourself in the 70s, what was it like to to talk to, you know, these young adults today in in the chaplain role? Well, you know, I I um the CD Bobian was a woman this summer. And she was back after having I'm, I'm not I'm not remembering her name right now, which I apologize. Um, you know, the staff quickly learned that there were some female chaplains. And we started getting calls for people wanting female chaplains for to come out for. So I made a trip to Bobian to deal with what was kind of a mean girl crew that just needed a chance to kind of do group building and sort through how they were feeling and feel like they were heard. And the two of us got to team up and do that. You know, it was just so giddy. Neither one of us got to take a, a track at Philmont because the timing just wasn't right for us. And, you know, to be able to be two women, one sixty-seven, one in her 30s, saying, hey, we would give our eye teeth to be where, where you are right now. So what can we do to help you work together? And um, so they, luckily, that was a layover day for them. And they got to do, um, they were a crew that was brought together from three different groups. They didn't really know each other before they got to, to Philmont. And she, they had a staff member who was an expert at team building and they put them through all kinds of things. And that crew finished and succeeded. And, you know, it was fun to then talk with the camp director and celebrate, you know, what we had accomplished, you know, with those girls. And there's sometimes when you're, when you're working with women in high adventure situations, there's a different touch that needs to happen than what men need. And it's important to, to know both of those. The kid who has ad, had asthma, I just equipped him with some information he needed. The girls that didn't know how to get along with, we just helped them become a team, helped them express themselves and decide that it was worth it, you know, and that they were all in. As um... Reverend Diana, do you have any spiritual, theological insights you'd like to share? I just read a devotion that talks about shalom. And shalom is not, we think of it as peace. Uh, peace is sometimes defined as the absence of conflict. But shalom is a, a total wellness of body, mind, and soul. And, you know, for me, always, since I was a little girl, going high into the mountains has been my shalom zone. <laughs> you know, the fact that the hiking, you know, um, that's one of the reasons why I moved back to Santa Fe. You know, I live, my house is at 6,800 feet and I have trails all around my house. And I just did a five mile hike. Um it just come in from that when I got the reminder that you and I were supposed to talk tonight. And, uh, you know, when I'm stressed, when I'm feeling out of touch with myself and out of touch with my creator and creation, then having the opportunity to um, hike down to the Rio Grande or go up to the Aspen Vista Trail or um, in above Santa Fe, the ski run or I went to the President's Circle weekend in October, and we got to do a bunch of hiking in the backcountry at Philmont. All of that just helps to keep me centered because I guess I have a better understanding of God as creator than I really do of what God was doing, you know, through Jesus. So that's maybe maybe why I have a lot of sympathy with, you know, people who are uh, searching and but I think the meditation that comes from the hike, the self-confidence that comes from achieving the goal, um, the joy that comes from helping others to do that um, have been bedrock in my life, in my faith since that summer of 1960, <laughs> you know, <laughs> when I first was introduced to the magic of Philmont. 
I just would would hope that each participant or staff member at Philmont would find their own path to that kind of peace and joy and ability to make a difference. It's really obvious and special, your passion with, like you said, uh, the creation creation and and God as a creator. And, and you don't often hear that, or I don't often hear that. Um, or maybe I just haven't heard it enough, but that was a really good reminder. So thank you for sharing. You're welcome. So today you live in Santa Fe, which I'm very jealous of. Actually, I'll be there in March with a group of Philmont girlfriends. So maybe I'll have to knock on your door. Um, I believe you're originally from Oklahoma, but I just thought I'd give you the opportunity if there's anything you wanted to share about your life in Santa Fe or just what you love about living there. Well, you know, one of the things that not as many summer staff get to enjoy and learn about New Mexico is the blending of the Native American and the Hispanic and the Anglo cultures. And, you know, for the last, I'm still, even though I'm retired, I'm still working part-time for my nonprofit in Española, and um, which is, I, I think a lot of Philmont staff members don't even know that um, New Mexico is a majority minority state. And that Santa Fe is the oldest continuously occupied capital in the new world. It truly is. The experiences I've had with Pueblo, Navajo, Hopi, Hickory, Apache, and those of Hispanic descent who are descendants of the conquistadors have been so enriching for me. And the pledge to the New Mexico flag, the New Mexico flag has the Zia on it for a reason. And that is to say, we are the blending of cultures and the peace that comes from that and the acceptance is incredibly important. You know, I I did most of my schooling in Albuquerque and having that foundation for my life when I then moved to Dallas, Texas, and then moved to Shreveport, Louisiana, and experienced incredible racism. Um, And it changed me and helped me to understand how important harmony among cultures is, respecting them and finding a way for us all to live together. So that's why I chose to come back to Santa Fe after going to college in Missouri and becoming a United Methodist minister in Missouri and serving there for 32 years. You know, I, I, I spent most of my adult life going to school, living and working in Missouri. But coming back home, there's nothing like northern New Mexico. And yeah. Philmont's an incredible part of that. You know, one of the things that I've learned that I from Roger Hoyt and Steve Nelson is that I've introduced them to some economic development um, resources in the state and having them to think about how many camper nights, not just, I mean, how many nights people are at Philmont and 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 how many in a year. How many nights is that? There's probably no other hotel or camp or anything in New Mexico that has as many guest nights as Philmont does. And I think the last time one of one they told me, I think it was like Philmont has a hundred and fifty million dollar impact every year on northern New Mexico. I'm proud to be a part a part of that long term tradition. Yeah, I'm proud of Philmont. I'm proud of the difference that we make, the the stewards we are of the land. Um, you know, Philmont has been doing a better job of managing our forests than the National Forest has been doing, as evidenced by the fact that the fire was able to be stopped this summer just inside our boundaries 
as opposed to burning all the way across Hillmont to Angel Fire, which could have happened. I mean, for, for lots and lots of reasons, for transforming young men and women's lives, for for making a difference in northern New Mexico, for respecting the various traditions of New Mexico. I'm proud to be a part of Hillmont. And on that note, have you heard, are you returning in 2023? I have applied. I talked to Steve Nelson last week and they they haven't made a decision on who all the chaplains are going to be next summer. So I'm hoping, <laughs> I'm praying. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. I'll, I'm sending you all the good vibes. I bet you will. It's probably <laughs> probably a shoe in Well, I want to, I, I have to say this. I want to, I especially want to be out there this summer because I went to three different high schools um, because of my dad, well, reorganization of the Boy Scouts and my dad's changes in in positions and stuff. And um, I have no desire to go to a 50-year reunion where the high school I graduated from. But this next summer is my 50-year reunion for the summer of 1973 staff. So I've been trying to get all my 1973 staff members excited about coming back for the uh, reunion. And, um, you know, and and I just, you know, so we have to start a tradition where, you know, when it's your when it's your 20th that you work on getting people from your 20th summer anniversary or 25th or whatever you want to do and that you get more of that group there that summer and you go out to eat and you know you just we did that some of that this summer yeah but it would have been nice to have more people from 1972 and 1973 that this summer so I wanted to put that plug in because okay you 73 folk (laughs) you need to go to the reunion next summer (laughs) yes it's the 50th psa anniversary i believe they're calling it a homecoming so come on home (laughs) i'll be out there diana will be out there we'll we'll party okay just for fun what's your favorite place on the ranch i it'd have to be the top of baldy just because of the accomplishment it represents sometimes i like to ask listeners if they have an 11th essential so there's the 10 essentials that you're supposed to carry with you, these practical items. If you had to carry an 11th essential, whether it be a tool or something practical or whether it be a mindset or a value, what would you say would be your 11th essential that you carry with you throughout life? Yeah, you can answer that question for me. I would say the creator. That's right. That's right. I mean, what my attitude you know, toward the hiking and the backpacking that I do is that it's about drawing closer to God for me. And the best way I do that is through the natural world. And that's a family tradition. My dad was a a ranger naturalist at Yellowstone and had a bachelor's and a master's degree in forestry. So going out into the out of doors was Heck, I went to more national. I never went to Disney World or anything like that. I I went to all the national parks. Yeah, that's the way to do it. I failed to mention, but I believe there's a story there with your father um, and the establishment of the Seton Museum. Yeah, my my dad was an excellent fundraiser as a scout executive, and um, he went to what's now the Great Southwest Council um, because he had just funded and built a new camp in Pensacola, Florida, and the Kit Carson Council needed a new camp. And so I spent a lot of years tramping around different potential sites as a young teenager um, in northern New Mexico looking for campsite, which is out, out the, the new scout reservation. Well, it's not new anymore, but this was, it was built in the 60s. And my dad was making visits to major donors. And the Ernest Thompson Seton's widow lived in Seton Castle in Santa Fe. And so he went to visit her to ask her to make a donation to make that camp possible. And she said, well, I don't want to do that, but I want to donate all of Ernest Thompson Seton's paintings and books and money for a 
for a museum. And my dad quickly said that he thought Philmont would be the best place for that. So he connected uh, Mrs. Seaton with the powers that be at Philmont. And as a result, um, Seaton Museum was built there. I'm, I'm proud of my dad for doing that. It's kind of like the wisdom in moving the National Scouting Museum, which now encompasses what the, the, the Ernest Thompson Seaton Museum collection um, to Philmont. Because if you want the place in any given year where you're going to have contact with the most scouts and volunteers, then Philmont is it. I'm sure that the National Scouting Museum gets a lot more visitors now than it did when it was, I believe, in New Jersey. Or I don't know. I don't, I, I, when I was a kid, I think it was in New Jersey, and maybe they moved it to Dallas when the National Council moved to Dallas. I don't know. But, you know, <laughs> if you want hands-on scouts to see the museum, then it should be at Philmont. Diana, thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Is there any way you'd like to close your episode? Silver on the sage, starlit skies above, aspen covered hills, country that I love, fill my tears to be, scouting paradise, country tonight.